sensations that you get like right after you eat where you're like man oh like, dude yeah like <clears throat> <laughs> hey everyone welcome to the just pick something podcast where we discuss movies tv shows both recent and old and this time we're going to talk about peacemaker season one yeah it was created by james gunn stars john cena and you can at the time of recording you can watch it on hbo max and since this is this is going to be probably kind of fun since this is the first tv show we are going to be discussing for this podcast and if anything it seems to be doing pretty well on hbo max like i keep seeing youtube videos pop up with like peacemaker is dope this show kind of took me by surprise a little bit oh i know i think they said that this show has the highest viewing count for any series that premiered on hbo max i don't really know what that means in regards to like wow really yeah so i don't know how many shows have been released on hbo max that's kind of surprising yeah but james gunn was like oh yeah did the best i know they announced a season two already yeah it was funny coming into this show because i was hyped i was hyped because i liked the suicide squad from last year oh really okay and i knew that they were doing a peacemaker show i loved that movie so coming into this i was like oh man this is gonna be great i remember a lot of people that I was friends with are like, I don't want to watch something about Peacemaker. I hate Peacemaker. What he did in the movie, spoiler alert if anybody hasn't watched the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess spoiler alert for Peacemaker Season 1 and also the Suicide Squad movie from 2021. 20, uh, Is that when it came out last year, right? Yes, last year. So, you know, they're like, ah, he killed Rick Flagg. I hate Peacemaker. He's the worst. And I was like, I don't know why people like want to like get real attached to like the actions of characters when there's going to be like a bunch of other more story to them. I was like, guys, I bet you $100 that you are going to love this show based off of how you liked the movie. <laughs> and they're like, no, nah, I just don't. I can't get excited about him because he killed Rick Flagg and I hate him. <laughs> and then I really should message all those people and be like, yo, you owe me 100 bucks." <laughs> it's like, I, to I told you so. <laughs> it was like. I, I swear every week it was like, oh my God, I love Peacemaker. Peacemaker is the best uh, comic book show I've ever watched. And I was like, I told you guys, you guys would like it. And y'all were like, oh, but he killed Rick Flagg. And I was like, yeah, he cries about it too. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, I mean, the thing about the Suicide Squad movie that came out last year, I, I wasn't like, you know, super against Peacemaker or super a fan of him from that movie. I, I liked that movie. It was a lot of fun. And when they announced the Peacemaker show, I was just kind of like, wow, really? Peacemaker? That That's the character they're spinning off? That's kind of interesting. I really thought there was going to be someone like the Ratcatcher or, you know, Amanda Waller or something. But like Peacemaker should be interesting. And lo and behold, season one turned out to be kind of fun. From that cast of characters... It, I feel like the ones that make sense to do a show about would be Peacemaker or Bloodshot. Was it Bloodsport or Bloodshot? Bloodsport. Okay. Yeah, that's because everybody thought he was going to be dead shot. Way oh, too right, close. right. <laughs> See, I thought it was going to be like the Bronze Tiger or something. Oh, when, yeah, when they, were not, when they announced him? He would, that would have been dope. I would have really enjoyed that. Yeah, but I mean, still was a pretty good performance from Idris Elba. I really liked him. Yeah, if anybody was going to get a TV show out of it, I was expecting him. But Peacemaker makes sense to me because John Cena is pretty big right now. And he seems like the character with like the most places to go out of them yeah that that does make sense considering i guess in that movie rat catcher kind of did have an arc and peacemaker's arc had just started yeah it was cool to see that come to fruition here but yeah no uh so overall what did you think of the show 
First of all, I think we should probably talk about the intro sequence to the show, right? I think that was pretty hot for like the first two or three weeks when the show was airing. I saw a bunch of things of the intro sequence, which was pretty good. I ended up like uh, downloading that song on Spotify and listening it to a few times. And it kind of just ties to that whole like James Gunn music taste that he has. Yeah. Where I'm like, I guess I should have seen that coming, that something like this was going to be in the, his show. The faces they made playing it straight, like the goofy choreography and even the whole intro sequence with all the dance moves and all the characters coming in big and small it was like kind of fun yeah no i was someone had posted it online so i watched it before i got to see it at the sh- on the show and so i when i watched the sequence i was like they did not that's not really what they did is it <laughs> and lo and behold it was and i was like oh man i love this this is like my favorite opening sequence <laughs> if you're talking about we're in an era where all the opening sequences for like streaming services are those like the daredevils and arcane like style like oh they're like statuesque like slow moving camera over silhouettes of buildings and figures yeah. and darkness and it's like peacemaker's like nah we're gonna do a dance sequence and i was like <laughs> oh what the heck yeah man like uh, it's one of those things that i'm kind of happy streaming shows and like i guess media at large is kind of adopting it's a thing that i thought for a while was missing from you know american-based shows anime right one of the main things that people really enjoy is the opening theme song right like the opening credits yeah and for a while least growing up some shows didn't really go all out sometimes they had it sometimes it was long sometimes you could see like an extended cut and i feel like with streaming that kind of came back a bit hbo shows they have them all the time now like game of thrones westworld foundation has like a really artistic cool opening sequence and then we have peacemaker with some fun dance moves and you know wigwams <laughs> wigwam song even the eagle at the end where they just fly in man talk about like pretty solid opening for this show that we're talking about today yeah, no it was it was hilarious because i love the opening sequence and when the first episode hit i was watching it with my wife and she was watching it just like her mouth just like wide open like why the heck are they doing this it is so dumb and i was I like mean- no it's great i don't know what you're talking about she's like no this is stupid why are we watching this still? <laughs> dude, dude I, I get it. I told after watching on my own, I I ran over to like Maya and I'm like, hey, when you get a second, Maya, I have to show you this intro for the song. Like this show is fucking like crazy. It's just weird and um like wacky. And I think it actually does a pretty good job of giving you an idea for the tone of the show. The main characters are super serious throughout because they're like going through the motions of this villainous threat, and everything around them is just kind of like absurd and wacky and strange and humorous you know so i guess going into the first few episodes they released the first three and then the fourth one came out after the first week what did you think about you know the first batch of episodes john cena you know being in the hospital and then leaving the hospital and uh hardcore and economo showing up the introduction of i guess amanda waller's daughter which i think was a show original character i don't think that's a person in the comics is it no it's not so they added out a bio yeah 100 and i think myrna is also a brand new character and obviously the the main conflict okay the butterflies they're also entirely show based all right because i knew some characters were comic source like you know 
Vigilante. Vigilante and Harcourt, I think, are like the, and like obviously Amanda Waller, are like the ones that are, are 100% from the comics. So is White Dragon. But I don't think he. Yeah, White Dragon is a. I think he's a little different. Yeah, he's very much a he's very much uh, a supervillain still. I don't think he's related to Peacemaker at all. And then Judo Master is also a comic book character. But oh, really? I, that's kind of surprising. I didn't expect that. That seems like a that seems like a very James Gunn character. I mean, they're, they're, uh, everybody's like crazy different, regardless. <laughs> Like, even if they are, like, they have the same names as, like, the people from the comics. Like, Vigilante as a comic book character is an entirely different type of character than the one that we get in the show. Like, the one in the show, you would argue, is, like, Deadpool-esque. Dude, I I loved Vigilante in the show. He was hilarious. I thought he was a great, like, character. Like, by far my favorite. So he, But in the comics, he's, like... Oh yeah, super hard boiled. Yo, okay, this is an entirely different character. And wow, really? Yeah, and Peacemaker's not as exaggerated, so he's not like as dumb feeling. Yeah, I, I mean, I knew a little bit about Peacemaker beforehand because I knew that the Watchmen characters were based off some of the characters from Charleston, Charles, Charleston comics. Oh, yeah. 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 And Peacemaker is one of those characters. I think it's the comedian that was based off of Peacemaker, right? Yes. So he's very different in the comics as well. And it's funny because the only reason I know anything about Peacemaker is because he is a semi-regular side character in Jaime Reyes, the Blue Beetle uh, story, when like when he first debuted as a superhero, which is cool because they're coming out of the Blue Beetle movie. Oh, I cool. can't remember why exactly off the top of my head, but you know, Jaime Reyes has to do with alien invasions and I highly doubt they're ever going to cross paths, <laughs> but I wouldn't complain. That would make a lot of sense if they introduced another character like that in season two, especially the bug theme, the Blue Beetle, the butterflies. Yeah, so I mean, with the, with the movie coming out and the guy the guy who plays blue beetle is already on cobra kai so maybe he's willing to do another tv show we don't know oh is that what they cast oh that's awesome yeah they, they cast the main cobra kai character <laughs> um i was talking with someone about it and it's funny that and this is the only character that is consistent through from their comic book version to this is amanda waller and how i absolutely hate that woman with all of my heart <laughs> oh dude she sucks but man viola davis does such a good job portraying her like yeah, talk like, about perfect casting god she's so horrible and they nail it with her tone and attitude towards like everything you know usa first yeah it's funny because i you know the two main villains of the show are the butterfly invasion and the white dragon peacemaker's dad and his personal conflict on that end right mm-hmm. when the show ended and you know it ends with Adebayo being like yo task force task task force task force x <laughs> task Force task Task Force X. Task Force. That is not an easy... Yeah, yeah the Suicide Squad. There yeah. you go. Uh, that, that, that exists. No wonder they... No wonder people say the Suicide Squad. It's just easier. Like, rolls off the tongue way easier. So, the you know, them exposing that. And I was like, yo, how the heck are they going to do that moving forward? But regardless, I was I was funny because when that happened, I thought about the show in general. And I was like, yo, yeah, 100% White Dragon and the Butterflies were bad guys. But... If you really think about it, if they, if they, if you if you could argue very easily that Amanda Waller is the third main antagonist of that show, uh, yeah, that's I think that's easy to say that she is because she usually has that role in Amanda Waller plots, right? When a good Amanda Waller story is like she's never the outright, she's not like a threat, but when she's written really well, it's like yeah, cool. There totally was this huge, overwhelming, dire situation that we had to deal with. 
Yo, Amanda Waller, you suck. <laughs> I mean, speaking about the um, villains in the show, right? It was pretty clever of them to make both Amanda Waller awful and then also manipulating her daughter a bit. And then the White Dragon. If you're going to make a character be sympathetic, having their father be in a horrible racist monster is a pretty easy way to make someone a little bit sympathetic, right? Like, yeah. you're not exactly going to be like, oh, that peacemaker, I still hate him because you know despite his horrible upbringing i get it now right yeah especially because you know his father aside just from being the white dragon is being played by robert patrick the terminator right <laughs> like <laughs> like talk about intimidating <laughs> yeah no I, this show had great casting i think everybody was really good but it's it's it is interesting because yeah again people didn't like peacemaker because he killed rick flag and so to immediately be like all right cool what are the reasons you wouldn't like peacemaker all right cool so he killed rick flag he's probably racist probably sexist, probably a bunch of other things that you could think of off the top of my head. And they immediately addressed that beginning of the show. Where they're like, you're that racist superhero. And they're like, you disproportionately kill minorities. It's like, all right, cool, I'll kill more white people. And I was there dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. And as the show goes on, we definitely get an insight to like why he's this way. Yeah. And they did a really good job of making him seem sympathetic, even though it took a while to get going, you know? His brother, his horrible father, like, you know, being in prison, put on these missions, and like all the list of things go on for why you feel just so sad for this guy you know yeah i think it's interesting the way that they tell the story though where it, you know it is obviously called a peacemaker right but like you said like they don't exactly like jump right into like redeeming him they kind of just explain how the character is why he is and kind of hey we're not excusing his actions and he's not even excusing his actions really but because you can watch this show and you can like get a handle on the people around him and how he treats and treats them and how they treat him you get like this fuller picture of them as people right yeah i mean they do a pretty good job of delving into the characters over time Autobio's character, Economos, even like, you know, hardcore and vigilante, like the writing kind of shows you why they are the way they are. Yeah. And so, it, yeah, I think they did a really good job of blending the story in regards to, hey, this is a murderer and he is kind of a psychopath, but at the end of the day, you can understand where he's coming from. Not necessarily, again, like you don't agree with it, but it's like, okay, cool. I get it. Why he killed Rick Flagg and what that means to him as a person moving forward and all that stuff. I thought that it's super interesting because I keep on going back to that, that that is such a major point of his character in this show when it's like you, you wouldn't expect for a character who has been like his backstory to be what it is. For it to be like, all right, cool. You remember the events of the movie that, that you watched before this? All right, cool. That's fundamentally driving the character's art in the in the show. And I'm like, oh my god, like, like I would have thought it would have been like something show where like you know they introduce something in the show that drives his character to go down a certain path. But it's like no, like you saw what put him on this path, and that will fundamentally structure what's going on yeah and they do a pretty good job of kind of making it feel like the events of this show are taking place very close to when the movie happened they put in that brief flashback or i guess primer for the movie at the beginning of like episode one and then as he's kind of traumatized by killing Rick flag and thinking back to the events 
it's interesting to see that the things that are haunting him are more Rick Flag and what he's been doing versus the events of the movie, like the starfish. I, if anything, I kind of wish that we got a, a glimpse into him, you know, remembering maybe one of the characters from the movie a little bit more fondly. I know he had a connection with Rick Flag, and the death impacted him quite heavily. You know, like I wish the trauma or I guess the remembrance of the movie was a little bit more incorporated into the show to show that it's not just Rick Flag, but it's a little bit of the events of that movie and also his childhood that kind of impacted him. But overall, still pretty good and well handled. Yeah, well, I think what the reason they didn't do that because they did briefly talk about Bloodsport and like and how he was as a you know how they had a sort of relationship in the movie but I think why they chose not to really focus on the movie too much is again like they Peacemaker didn't do a whole ton in that movie right in regards to like what would actually impact him but you can see I think the reason that they focus on the Rick Flag moment so much is that is his key moment in that film right and it does go into the narrative of what his arc in regards to like his vow and how he's going to go about that and what it means to have the kind of vow he had where it's like, yeah, cool. Like mentioning, you know, that he knew King Shark and Bloodsport is one thing, but on the other hand, it's like, Hey, the vow you decided to take and the way that you've been going about your life directly impacted this very specific moment, which is killing Rick Flagg because he's like, I'm willing to kill anyone. And he realizes after that moment, Hey, maybe this is like, not the right thing to do, right? <laughs> it's interesting how that's also reflected through the butterfly. But before we get to that, because this is what, this is eight episodes long, right? Yeah, and there's there's a lot like in these eight episodes. I mean, we didn't really even talk about two of the other kind of main characters like, or secondary characters, like the police officers. Like there's quite a bit in these eight episodes like packed in, you know? Yeah, so what I was going to say was like, it was interesting watching it week to week for me I know I'm sure people will watch it like all in one go or whatever, but watching it week to week, there were weeks where I came out of the episode being like, this was a good episode, but I have no idea where this is headed. Why are these police officers here? Why do we need them? Like, mm-hmm. why, why, like, what are they going to do with the dad? Like, obviously they're kind of setting up a fight because they mention how his armor works, but like, why, like, what are the butterflies? You don't even learn what they are, I think, till like, episode five or something like that. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the bigger faults or issues with this season is that it feels like the main threat, other than, you know, White Dragon being kind of an obvious, like, oh yeah, they're going to be probably confronting him near the end. It's just feeling like it dragged on a bit in the beginning, and the main threat should have probably been incorporated a little bit sooner. Oh, I don't, I don't necessarily think that we needed to know exactly what it was earlier on because for example right i didn't know what amanda waller's endgame was right that was a mystery for the whole time like for like almost the entirety of the show was why she was she wanted autobio to plant the journal what it meant Mm -hmm. but like and why she would be willing to kind of throw the team under the bus like i I was interested in that's something we don't learn and we don't learn what the butterflies are uh like really really wouldn't know what the butterflies are until later on i don't think that's necessarily a flaw in the show they're not really what it's about about if that yeah means. yeah i get that where it's like it's clearly about like learning about these characters and like why and their interactions and like getting to know them yeah well it's more that i guess my thoughts about it as a whole are probably a, a little scattered about the first three episodes because i watched them all at once like I, I don't think the show's perfect like, like don't get me wrong I, I think it's really good i i think there's a lot of 
extra praise heaped on it than I would have personally given. Well, like, what's something you didn't really like about it? Because, I mean, other than what I just said, something for me that kind of was a, a miss for me was some of the humor. Yeah. Like, some of the physical comedy was great, but for me, some of the humor kind of felt a little flat uh, when mostly Peacemaker's jokes about, like, everyone around them a bit. Like, I felt like it, it was kind of set up to be jokes that were him overcompensating for being insecure about himself or things at large. Yeah. But they kind of felt a little flat. They felt a little forced to me, as in, like, I, I get what they're going for, but like um, Economos and the beard thing, like that didn't really hit for me. Yeah, no, um, I think the thing that didn't work for me the most, and I, I don't usually agree with this kind of criticism, I think it's pretty lazy, but it was one of the things where I was like, man, they, they use a lot of language. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, like every other word, man. Like, and usually <laughs> that doesn't bother me. Like, I'm perfectly okay with people cussing. Like, it's an expletive. It doesn't really make a difference to me. But I was like, man, mm -hmm. like, a lot of this dialogue is heavily centered on the cursing. <laughs> okay, that guess that's true. And I'm like, man, this show is unexpectedly obscene in like certain ways. Because like, yeah. yeah, there is moments where you're just like, whoa, that that was a okay. Oh, that's the choice, you Your know. Your wife? Holy yes, my shit. wife. Look, I'm no so sorry. Well, you I didn't know that did. you was playing for the I don't know the fucking Milwaukee. Run it up for the ball. I'm head. not from Milwaukee. Well, I'm so sorry. So she just moved to a different hotel. Because Hardcore said that it would be dangerous if you Oh, see. shit! She just threw you under the bus! So this is my fault <laughs> No, it's just now Kia thinks Man. I chose this job over her, and we're experimenting with new forms of intimacy, and I didn't know that WhatsApp would just automatically put this onto yeah. the device. WhatsApp will do that if you don't change the Nobody settings. Nobody told me! Yeah, no shit. <laughs> it's not that fucking funny, Dick. Just continue, Leona. Yes, sir. <gasps> Goth may be traveling with his family. That is a weird segue. Yeah, so that's one of the things I don't I don't typically give much weight to those kind of criticisms though because it's just like it's kind of like really surface level and it's kind of like a personal taste thing. I just thought it was something worth noting where it's like, man, like they just, they, the language just relies on that very heavily. And if that's not your <laughs> cup of tea, that's not your cup of tea. Yeah, I think they do say like dicks and fuck and, and other things like that a lot. Well, but I think that does, I guess that goes in, in line with the kind of characters that he's writing, right? Because like you said, like you don't like the, the dye beard jokes and all the really bad humor from peacemaker and i'm like i think it was intentionally written to be like that's kind of, this guy's kind of like a really immature asshole yeah i like i said i feel like it was probably intentional because he uh had some pretty major trauma early in life so he it's kind of like he didn't really get to grow up to be a functional adult yeah and i mean uh, I, I get that so like it, it's not crazy to expect that this guy would be the most well-spoken or like nicely matted person right yeah especially with his dad <laughs> oh man his dad is like it's a oh my god talk about like the worst upbringing ever <laughs> and man his dad was such a weird influence on his life aside from the racism and violence like um why does white dragon have somehow knowledge of extra dimensional tech that allows him to have a huge warehouse in his house yeah okay so you yeah know? my question is like yeah exactly this guy was living in a trailer park and having his kids beat each other up for money and now you're gonna tell me that this man can like make fourth dimensional closets and like build human torpedo helmets yeah <laughs> and like make suits that have flying capabilities and so and like explosive sonic blast and stuff like i didn't expect him to be dumb but i didn't expect him to have this level of technological prowess you know like yeah it's a little it's a that, that's the only part that i was like when typically i'm like trying to think of things to criticize with the show it is like there's like a little flimsiness in the logic of, of certain things 
and like how you like the writing doesn't seem as cohesive as it could be in regards to like what you're trying to get across. <laughs> well, yeah, but like at the same time, it's like you know what could he, what, what could have gotten him to this point where he knows this stuff. Like you know how sometimes on a TV show with superheroes and things, right? There's usually someone behind the tech, right? Like you have a tech guy, or in James Bond, you have Q, and you know there's always someone in charge of the tech. So like, do you think they just let him have that capability because they're like, well? Do we really want to introduce maybe like a white supremacist tech guy? I mean, I don't know. It's just like, what do you do with how do you naturally give that character that other than just being like, yeah, I guess he kind of just knows it, you know? I mean, I guess it's kind of a it's a kind of a an interesting subversion on like that archetype, right? Because it's like, oh, yeah, no, he's a white supremacist. So you're thinking like, oh, my God, he's he's from the down south from the trailer park and he's dumb and he's a stupid white supremacist. And I'm like, OK, so like, yeah, that's typically what you would get. But instead, it's like. No. Yeah, they do play that archetype pretty high in some shows. Yeah, and so now they're like, no, this guy's like incredibly smart. He's mm-hmm. and like incredibly capable, and he's just a white supremacist as well. And it's like, y'all freaking hate this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, his neighbor, it like hates Chris, and like so those were some pretty funny scenes uh, ragging on him about being a lesser superhero, and then vigilante being like dude, your dad sucks. I don't really want, I want to be your friend, but like I'm starting to hang out with you and people say you're racist. So people are going to say that I'm racist and I'm not racist. And some of those moments were pretty funny. Yeah. Oh, like, so move forward, like vigilante and the prison scene where he's like, (laughs) he confronts all the the white supremacists. He's like, what is your favorite addition to American culture from the black community? And I was like, oh, my God, this was. Oh, and he does not hold back. He just goes on and on. And like, you're just waiting for that shoe to drop. And especially with that whole intro walk where he was just, you know, walking through those like that's crowded corridor. Of people yelling at him with that song Jawbreaker playing in the background. Man, that whole moment was like absolutely wonderful. Yeah. So it's, but um, like, what did you think about the police officers? Because like, I like them, like their performances. I. As, you know those characters being you know related to the story but coming in it from the side and like trying to figure things out and i was kind of surprised they ended up becoming a part of the main threat yeah actually that, that, that was my main issue which was i was like why the police officers are pointless like like i yes i like the 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 woman i can't remember her name um, um detective sophie song the detective i liked her because she had the funny interaction with peacemaker's dad right where he was like mm-hmm. ah yeah it's uh what was lucy, lucy lou yeah huh? uh, yeah yeah lucy lou and just call, call and, all kinds of shit against her and she was like she was like is really just because i'm asian i'm an asian woman that's, that's all you got and then she and she has like the little thing where she's like all right cool whatever brad paisley whatever uh <laughs> Elvis Presley, you know just naming a bunch of white celebrities yeah. <laughs> and i was like oh my god this is hilarious but it was regardless of if she's funny and i like seeing her around yeah i was like oh shit because i really thought they were gonna try to incorporate the white dragon and the aliens in like a you know pretty expected way of like the alien or the butterfly finds a way to get inside of the white dragon so now the white dragon and his white supremacist goons are like 
you know, being powered by these alien butterfly creatures and they're going to be having this huge, you know, showdown at the end of the show or something. Yeah. Which is funny because they still kind of do that. <laughs> <laughs> they still kind of do that, but just in an unexpected way, you know, by killing the cop and the entire police force and stuff. Yeah, which which is why, like what I was saying earlier, like I could not guess where this show was going. That's not, and to me personally, that's not a bad thing because I have a pretty good record of guessing where movies are going. So when I was watching this, I was like, yo, like it does a good job either subverting expectations or hiding certain pieces of information from me to the point where I cannot guess these characters the at least the the bad guys next yeah movie. that's true i was pleasantly surprised or i was i was happy that i was still trying to figure out what the show was going for you know like it's nice when a show manages to keep you on your toes a bit yeah so that that's why i'm like okay this is this is pretty interesting in regards to like how we're gonna do this and i so uh, you know it, it's a basic invasion plot Right, for the butterflies. Like, that's their main thing. Was like, well, yeah, at least that's what it comes across as, right? Mern describes it as basically like, hey, they want to take over everybody. Yeah, they, they're doing a like quiet invasion, slowly taking over the citizens of the country and taking over their bodies and or assuming people of political influence and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah so, so based off his description, it's like, okay, like this is very much a typical invasion story. And mm-hmm. To then have that subverted in the the last episode to be like, hey, no, we it is yeah, hundred percent. We are technically invading you guys, but it's very much they they view it as an act of altruism, right? Like they, uh, it's very yeah, clearly yeah. A, a parallel to Peacemaker's vow, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it was one of the things where I was like, I was not expecting that because <laughs> I just took what Mern told me on face value and was like, yeah, no, these guys are terrible. I mean, at that point in the story, we don't have any other reason to not believe Mern at face value, right? And then at the same time, when we get that ending explanation of uh, being kind of like Peacemaker, you know, running parallel to his character, it's a pretty classic, you know, alien invasion story. And the two ways that could go near the end would be like, oh, yeah, they're classic aliens. You defeat the threat. And, you know, the world is safe. Aliens threat is gone. Or, oh, they actually were trying to help us all along. And I don't know. I feel like I kind of wanted something more I don't know, nuance or interesting or a different take on like an, the alien invasion thing. Well, I think I, I agree with that for the most part. I think it works a little bit better than uh, most other examples based purely on the fact that it does have an emotional crux to it in our main character, right? Where in a lot of those other stories, we, we don't have a peacemaker type character in all those other stories where they have this vow to like, Oh, in the regard for, for the better good of everybody, I'm going to do this. So, like, Peacemaker was going through this journey throughout this entire show. And then his the final conflict being, like, these people are like, look, I'm not trying to fight you. Like, I'm literally asking for your help to help everybody else. Like, you're a superhero. We understand what your, your purpose is. And we're not trying to be in conflict with you. And for me, half of me was like, are they trying to, like, pull a fast one? And, like, are they lying? Because clearly they're, like, aggressive and willing to kill people. But then on top of it, it's, like, also, it, that's 100% a plea that the, our main character would listen to. Typically, in a lot of these stories, they would be like, oh, you're just a misunderstood alien. Like, we we can work on this, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in this show, they were like, no, like, uh, I'm not going to accept this. And he still, he kills them anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which was cool. I, I really liked that he just committed and was like no bam you know their whole thing 
brought to an end, right? I guess for me, aliens in media, they're always either going to represent something or they're going to be used in a certain way to kind of aid the plot of the story. Like sometimes aliens can be an immigrant story or, you know, like um, in the anime Parasite, the soft invasion that happens in that one and aliens being a vehicle to ex explore the ideas of like humanity and sentience and stuff. And with aliens in general, right, it's always so much room to do interesting things. So for them to use the aliens in this show as kind of just like a, I don't know, just an okay threat was just kind of like, well, that's not too bad, but I kind of wish there was maybe just a third force that were trying to work for a middle ground and being like, hey, we we agree that, you know, you guys are doing a shit job of saving the planet, but we also like feel everything that a human experiences because when we take over their body, we're left with their memories and stuff. Even Mern is kind of played to be like just the sole detractor, right? So I kind of wish like maybe we had a cool reveal, you know, I just kind of wanted a little something else. So yeah, my, I think the only issue that I could really say that I personally had was because aliens are typically always a stand-in for like immigrants, when you have your two sets of main bad guys, one of them are white supremacists and the other one are a group of people usually used for as, as a stand-in for immigrants. And they're both bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> they're aliens. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> and so, but then it's also like, okay, yeah, cool. When they explain, okay, well, we came from a dying planet. We're basically, they're like, yo, we're refugees. And we're trying to make sure that your planet doesn't end up like ours did. And so it's like, yeah. so you're saying the bad guys were evil refugees. And the other people were white supremacists who say that refugees are evil. And it's pretty funny, but like, God, do I just wish there wasn't the one not evil refugee who just wants to be there and you know live and thrive and survive and not have like this crazy ulterior motive or going against their culture so, i don't know man and that's as you said that and explained that it's probably better says why i was kind of let down a little bit by the alien subplot like if it's kind of, if it was more of like, yo, like, we took over these people because if we don't, we're going to die outside of them or something like that. And it's like, this is a necessity, not necessarily like a, a want. And if they didn't take over all the cops, or if they did, and their whole thing was like, no, you don't understand. The people that we, like, the people we take over, we know that they, you know, this entire police department was corrupt. They would kill people and, and elicit and, you know, support the drug trade. And like, they were doing all these other things and brutalizing people and all the politics politicians that we go over they were also all like corrupt and taking bribes from these other people destroying the planet yada yada blah blah and it's like actually like like it's not going to make it like absolve them right but adding a level of altruism that wasn't there other than we're willing to murder anyone so that we can save this planet right yeah and i mean even in like the suicide squad movie right you weren't exactly happy that this group of Task Force X or the Suicide Squad was going into this country and murdering, like, you know, freedom fighter people against, like, a corrupt government, right? Yeah, like, like we, we don't like, we don't appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Like, at least for me, I, I wish that, the you know, the U.S. government was played up a little bit more. You know, that's what Amanda Waller is. She's being a substitute for the ruthlessness of the United States government, right? Uh, yeah, so I think, I think where the show fails is in, like, the nuance of like a larger topic but i think it, the main place where it works right the main thing that like i think this show does deserves a lot of the praise it does get is that you do get some really great character work 
in each and pretty much everybody, right? For the most part, you get, for example, we, we you know we haven't talked about Hardcore and Economos too much. Oh, do they great? I loved the scenes they were in. They were so funny together, acting off of each other and also the group as a whole. The whole Economos being super into that one specific band and also being like, you know, maybe not the most athletic member of the team, but it's still coming through in the end. Yeah, and and I I think it was interesting to like to see that like for example, you know, Peacemaker sings like, oh, I don't, I don't have friends and like economists being like i hate these guys and then you see that like divide being filled because you realize like oh just because i think you're an asshole doesn't mean that like there aren't things that we can get along about and then peacemaker being like i don't need to be an asshole and there are things that me and him could be like we can be friends and realizing that yeah yeah the bonding was really nice and then uh oh my god the end the, in the last episode with the dye beard reveal where he does dye his beard and he's like god that was so sad. I w- I felt so sympathetic towards him. You I was, know, I was like, oh my god, I don't, I didn't know I was gonna, compl- I was gonna start getting real emotional about someone's grooming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, talking about like, um, before I guess we talk about the end, there was some things I, I do want to acknowledge that made me really die laughing, which was I think some of just the well placed timing of some of the like humor. Yeah. For like, for example, there was one scene near the end where they were at the veterinarian office okay. and. And they were all like they had their like rousing speech of being like we're gonna do this together and hardcore's become the new leader right yeah and they're all like ready ready and then we see those vets just somehow not tied up with the gun being like ready and they just look at them like what the fuck are you doing you're veterinarians you know no yeah 100 percent. i like freaking i loved that bit it was great <laughs> yeah or like some of the callbacks were good the whole eagerly i i loved eagerly just being a cgi character and being great throughout this show like the um, the callback to Eagly giving him a hug, you know, in the veterinarian office. How do you know it wasn't a sign to leave? Ah, ah. Eagly just, you know, kind of understanding Peacemaker, then also not understanding him, just doing whatever they wanted and stuff. It was great. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, again, I think it, this show works on a much smaller scale in the terms of its writing. I think, like, yeah, again, character interactions, I think, really work, the way they build characters throughout. And let them like grow and evolve, and like let you as an audience member like grow sympathetic. I think it, in that in that area it works really well. And building to the you know the final conflict with both the white dragons and the the butterflies, it was interesting to see that like build up for like how we were gonna get there and seeing those like dominoes fall into place. And you know the seventh episode, he you know he does kill his dad. Yeah, I'm really happy that he was the one that managed to kill his father. You know, it was very satisfying for his character arc to make that choice. It would have been really messed up if it was Vigilante. I would have gotten so mad about that. <laughs> yeah, and, and he definitely could have played it for laughs. You know, like him killing him and then being like, what? What? He was going to kill you. I just, I saved your life. I thought that was the right thing to do or something yeah. like that. But no, I'm glad they, they gave him the shot. His father was left in shock and awe. So, and then still kind of haunts him anyways, though. You oh, know? man. Yeah, that, that was, that's rough. Like knowing that the character was like, yeah, I'm finally going to be able to move on and grow. And his dad's like, no. You're not. I'm still going to be here. That was really sad, but it kind of does. It is a little nice to see him that like, you know, killing his father isn't going to immediately resolve his trauma. It's going to be something he's going to have to work on for like a, quite a while, you know? So, okay. So yeah, in the last episode, they fight the butterflies. I thought it was hilarious and I didn't think about it until you mentioned the anime openings earlier, but mm-hmm. I, you know, depending on how many animes you watch, you know, it's always kind of like a small joke where it's like, you know, it's going to get real when the opening song is used in a fight scene. <laughs> Dude, you're right. 
fight. Yeah. And so, and so he pulled, you know, he, he plays the opening song for the final fight. And I'm like, oh my God, it's an anime moment. <laughs> yeah, that was very much an anime moment. The, I mean, the thing that was nice about it is they didn't exactly, you know, win. Like they, they did a good job taking out the threat, but man, did they get hit hard, yeah. you know? Also, I guess to briefly bring this up, I was dying laughing when they had that brief moment of Autobaya's character being like, I was made for this and running to like join or help Peacemaker out. And then Economos going after and just immediately breaking his leg, just jumping the fence to be like, just to show that he is not made for this. And he was just like, what the fuck? And he crawls somehow his way to like the main group and just gives her that helmet. God, that was so funny for me. (laughs) I was like, oh my God. Like even at the last... It was like, we can't count on Economos. And he's like, no, you can totally count on me. And then he's like, immediately breaks <laughs> leg. Got him screaming just, what the fuck? What the hell? It was just so funny. It was so brutal. Like, that, it wasn't just his bro- leg broke. Like, his bones was showing. Oh, terrible. Huh? It was very gruesome. But, <laughs> it was so funny. Just that onboard, like, over-exaggeration. Yeah. And not to mention, like, he even had that nice callback a little bit before. Where he was just, like, infiltrating the main facility with the cow. And we get to see that really gorgeous and, like, surreal moment of seeing the cow. The giant caterpillar monster thing. And him being like, oh, God, no, no kaijus i said no kaijus and he just kind of backtracks and like bails oh well, yeah which was funny i they mentioned it very early on that it was you know oh you guys aren't really uh you know clever when you're naming things starfish was a giant starfish or the butterfly is it gonna be like a monster or whatever and it's like no but it still is about things that look like butterflies yeah. <laughs> right it's still just as unoriginal when you think about it <laughs> Yeah, it was. But also, like, I really liked that that specific episode left off with that reveal. It was so gross and eye-catching and interesting to look at. It felt like my brain for a moment was just, what am I looking at this huge pound of flesh thing with multiple eyes just kind of wincing or being like, it really helped to feel the, like, kind of play up the sci-fi aspect of this show. Yeah, no, I very much like how the show looked in general as well, like visually. I think the effects and like the costuming stuff was really good. I didn't like Judo Master too much, but his costume at least. But for the most part, everybody I thought was like, oh, the effects are really good. There's that beautiful shot where uh, the detective, after she's taken over by the butterfly, when she's like being followed by all the other ones. I was like, man, this these shots are really well done. Yeah, not to mention that like moment when they're all converted police officers are walking down the hallway and they are like struggling to figure out how to move their mouth muscles. And it's just that unsettling smile mile Ugh. oh man that was so unsettling but yeah so you know everything oh man okay oh after everything said and done they did something that i've been asking for both suicide squad movies i personally this is literally something i personally asked for from the first suicide squad movie and the most recent one i was like every time i watched one of those movies, I was like oh man like it was good i you know i enjoyed it or whatever the first one i was like yeah it's you know, I had a fun time. It's not going to pretend like it's a great movie or whatever. But would, wouldn't it have been cool if the Suicide Squad was ultimately like entirely pointless and at the end of the day, the Justice League shows up? <laughs> Dude, I knew that was coming. I knew you were going to bring up the Justice League because I was like waiting for it. So yeah, but like it was it was always my thing. I was like, okay. So in the first one, right? First one has to do with Enchantress and like a demon thing or portals to another world and like Amanda mm-hmm. Waller's like, your mission is to stop, to do this one thing and you you find out the mission is to save her yeah and i would have been like it would have been really cool if it was like a really big like climactic moment to go and get her and then you just like end on this note that is like yo 
yo, we hate Amanda Waller because we we risked our lives to save this woman. We're not even doing anything about that thing over there. And then she's like, I don't care about that thing over there. Let them deal with it. And then the Justice League shows up. <laughs> and it's like the Suicide Squad is literally like this like nobody ragtag team, right? And then in the second movie, I was expecting them to do that with when Starro showed up. And they're like, we're going to have to fight that? And it's like, no, you just run away. And then like Green Lantern shows up. And starts fighting Starro. And I was like, that would have been great. I made that joke slash recommendation for years. So to see them show up <laughs> at the end of the fight and be like, yo, you guys are a bunch of dickheads. Yeah, and they also paid off the whole weird rumor thing that Peacemaker was just spreading and being like, yeah, I heard this Justice League member does this. I heard this superhero member does this. For the Flash to be like, oh no, one of those is true. And then Aquaman or Jason Momoa to be like, I hate that fucking rumor that I... I was like, wow, I can't believe they actually were able to get this cameo and also acknowledge those like ongoing old jokes or something. Yeah, no, I thought it was because, you know, earlier in the episode they make the, the Green Arrow joke where he goes to Brony Conventions to do you know furry <laughs> stuff and he's like he's like no like what he's obviously a lie he's like no i actually heard that one was true and i was like oh my god <laughs> yeah i was like how are you gonna do green arrow like that man but also it was it was hilarious because people were like oh man i can't believe they keep on making this joke and they confirmed that he has sex with fish and i was like first off no they didn't they, wait they did they didn't barry was very clearly messing with him but two like yo light light up it's just a it literally just a joke yeah it was very clearly played for laughs yeah, and it works for him right it works for this show like it works in like peacemaker and then it works in harley quinn where they also make similar types yeah of and i mean also uh, jason momoa like his whole character at least his aquaman can take a joke so it's still pretty funny and this is a, this is a fun interaction and so man i just I, I was so happy when that happened it's not even a lot people were like they didn't even really do anything they only got two people to show up and i'm like cool those two people showing up was just so much fun right? yeah i i agree i think it was great to see those people show up because it's it's just a cameo right it's not like yeah it's like stan lee showing up in like a fucking marvel movie. it's just a fun addition yeah and it was funny <laughs> you know it does make me wonder like after that cameo because this show ended where it did with they saved the day they got hurt but they're gonna be fine and then autobio's character kind of goes on tv and lets the entire nation know what happened and what the suicide squad is and stuff which was a weird an interesting choice that i didn't think was gonna happen it felt a little naive that her character was just like this is the right thing to do and i don't see any major repercussions from it or i can handle those repercussions oh my god i don't know what the heck is gonna go happen moving forward <laughs> yeah like i have no idea what they're gonna do in season two yeah so i have no idea where they're going season two which is great but i also i'm also like wait how are they gonna do another suicide squad can they do another suicide squad at this point what the heck are we doing moving forward and how are we doing it? And I love that from my stuff. Me personally, I'm going to finish with another uh, controversial take. And it's like when watching, you know, all these superhero shows, I haven't been nearly a fan of any of the shows, maybe except for Harley Quinn and Doom Patrol, where I'm watching mm -hmm. and like you're talking about Loki, WandaVision, Titans, mm -hmm. The Flash, any of these, no matter what. There's not a single one of those shows where I, I'm finishing it and I look at it and say, I have no idea where this show is going to go from here. And I love that. But with this one, I was like, mm -hmm. the ramifications of this like last 10 minutes, I have no <laughs> idea what they're going to do. And I love that. <laughs>
<laughs> See, that's great. I, I agree with you entirely about the, the last 10 minutes of this particular show. Just dropping the Suicide Task Force X reveal is like that That fundamentally changes an entire film series going forward. And it fundamentally changes the dynamic of a lot of the characters in this show moving forward. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, how in the world are we going to like, like, I can like you, you can automatically see the threads that are being pulled and you know that this is going to be some disastrous, like big catastrophe moving forward and i'm super interested yeah yeah me too and it, it like i guess to finish this off and tie it back to the beginning it's crazy that you know people who liked you know guardians of the galaxy one and two and the suicide squad movie thought maybe that james gunn wasn't going to be able to do a good job about this because his track record is pretty solid so far you know yeah like i'm excited to see guardians of the galaxy 3 when that eventually comes out now i'm excited to see the season two of this and i hope to see a cool project of his in the future you know, I mean, sure, not everything lands perfectly. Like, uh, Brightburn, I guess, wasn't super great. Well, that was his, like, brothers, wasn't it? No, I thought it was... I thought he was the one in charge of that. No, he, like, produced it. But I think it was, like, his brother's, yeah. like, movie. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad. I enjoyed parts of it. But James Gunn, as a director so far, and writer, producer, or creator, whatever, seems to be doing a great job. And I'm excited to see what comes up next from him, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, let's, let's see what they do next. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Just Pick Something podcast. You know, check out the show on HBO Max streaming. And we're very much interested in seeing season two. Yeah, and be sure to like, comment, subscribe. Let us know what you think about the show and every movie that we talk about. Yeah, comment if you hate our opinions or like our opinions. Yeah, and what what superhero rumor do you want to hear from next? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a Blue Beetle rumor would be pretty funny. I feel like Booster Gold would be like a perfect character for them to make fun of. Because he's obviously like a joke character already to begin with. So I would love to be like, all right, cool. Did you know that Booster Gold don't invest in boost and booster shots? It's just a Ponzi scheme. It's a pyramid scheme, I swear. <laughs> or or see, I was thinking more easy, like um, the Flash being like, you know, I hear that dude has severe rashes. Oh, yeah, that man, that, that man uh, steals, steals medical, like medical grade rash cream. <laughs> He steals baby powder from local supermarkets. Yeah. When he runs, you get covered in like white dust. <laughs> Someone's just like walking out their house and just. <laughs> and they're just like, what the fuck is this powder? <laughs> okay. <laughs> the intro and outro song for this podcast is VHS Dreams by Sean Ivers. Link in the description. Thanks for listening and until next time.